0: Welcome to Pauly Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world. Proudly
1: representing his hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Pauly Malinaji takes you inside the ring and beyond. I'm definitely far from shy. We're gonna be ranting about a lot of stuff. Not just about boxing, I'm bring it on life in general, many sports topics and politics. Pauly doesn't hold back. The two-time world champion, Pauly, the Lam- Paulie Malignaggi, Peter Cards, Brooklyn to the World, Showtime Boxing. We're one short again today. We're missing Peter Cards once again on uh, maternity leave. Should we call it maternity leave? Is that what we call it? Because they don't really have paternity leave, do they? They didn't invent that yet. Paternity leave. Is that? Do they have that paternity leave? Yes. They do? Yeah. So, w- we know what? I like that. We're fighting for men's rights. Why not? All right. <laughs> Actually, Actually I, I Nobody out. else
0: fight for men's rights. All right. I missed out. They had. Uh, I got two weeks for my kids, and then now they upped it to six weeks guys get off. Is that what it is? Yeah, I missed out. Think oh. I'll have a baby. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. You know what? Steve, you'd be upset if you missed the fights though, that's the problem. It's true. Yeah, it's true
1: too. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to miss the fights either. You know? <laughs> depends <laughs> on what
0: fi- depends on what fights though. That's true.
1: <laughs> All right, so we have a special guest replacing Peter Cards today, a special guest in studio. Newly minted Hall of Famer. He's my showtime colleague. He is one of the biggest boxing brains in the business. I get a lot of my stuff that I'm actually learning. There's not not a lot you can teach me in boxing. I I pretty much, I feel like I know a lot, but a lot of times I'm talking to Steve Farhood, he's our guest today, and I get new stuff that I didn't know before. You know what I'm saying? And that's the kind of brain Steve has. Steve, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to
2: the show. A sitting ovation.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a, a single ovation. We'll give you another one. There we it's go. Great to be with you. There can I can I fill the seat of of, of Peter? You uh, know what it is? I tell you what, Steve. I didn't uh, want to put you in. The, I didn't want to have you fill such big shoes. I, so you're taking my seat, and I took Peter's seat. <laughs> I didn't want to have you have that pressure taking over Peter's seat. You know, so so Peter I Peter who exactly, exactly. so <laughs> so whatever. Uh, well, I, I didn't want to welcome you with such high expectations, right, you know. Right. So I, I let you right. fill my seat instead. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. All right. So we got some little boxing news, right? And what, what do we got going on here, Seth? Seth, the Twitter or a statistician? I want to hear. I want to hear about the Hall of Fame a little bit. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go, Steve. Well, tell us about the induction. Tell us about the weekend and everything.
2: It was. You've been up there. You know mm-hmm. what it's like up there. the The beauty of the Hall of Fame to me is that. Every person you see is a hardcore boxing fan. Yeah. These are our viewers. Yes. You know, When you go to a big fight, some of the people are there because they want to be seen. Yeah, celebs, Casino casino players. Casino players who could give two craps about boxing. It's different in Canistota, and that's why it's called Boxing Heaven. So that alone makes it a great weekend, whether you're being inducted, whether you're visiting, it doesn't matter. For me personally, and I think for Barry Tompkins, my broadcast uh, partner on Showbox. We kept looking around, and we kept seeing Evander, and we kept seeing Marco Antonio Barrera, and I'm going, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> I mean, I cover boxing. I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do that. I was blessed to be to cover up Pauli e. Malinaji and all these fighters. And to be on, for one weekend at least, on equal footing with these guys, I kept pinching myself going like, you know. And let's face it, the people there were there to see Evander, they said the Barrera, in respect to Johnny Tapia. Your, Barry and I, and, and Jerry Roth, and a couple of the other people got a lot of attention, yes. To us, we ate it up because we're not used to it. You know, when Paulie Malinaji is in a fight arena, the there's a, a pocket of people immediately around you and you have to sign an autographs and stuff. Well, we did that for three days nonstop, but we're not used to it. It's always so it cool, very though. special to us.
1: That's cool, of cool. Yeah. The memories you have for life. You I know, oh, t- yeah. always talk to people about boxing. Boxing or any t- kind of job like this, it gives you memories for life. Oh, so yeah. It's something you keep dear in your heart, even especially the Hall of Fame weekend. I mean, obviously, the biggest, the biggest... Uh, plus, about the whole weekend is you—you you got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, you know this is—it's it's, it's actually a big step. You know, aside from the appreciation that fans show you and everything. I mean, the, how, how did that? How did that make you feel? How did that? You know, I, obviously we know you've been in the business for a long time, Steve. And you know, you from Ring Magazine to Showtime, Showbox, and everything in between. You know, uh, did you ever think about this before? I'd
2: be lying to you if I said it wasn't in the back of my mind because obviously they do put in non-participants and observers Mm -hmm. and I've been doing this for 39 years Mm -hmm. and I like to think I've had a pretty good career so I'd lie but I I could never expect it it's Mm -hmm. not the kind of thing you can expect Mm -hmm. you know and obviously for Mm non-fighters if you're a fighter you could say he won this many titles he beat this guy it's different with observers. It's much more subjective, I think. Yeah. So it's, you know, why am I getting in and another writer who's an excellent writer or broadcaster didn't get in? So, you know, you can look at it that way, but.
1: One thing there is, Steve, when do you pay your dues too? Once you pay your dues, I think people have more of an appreciation for it. You know, I think you, the, the the thing is, you, not only are you knowledgeable, but you've been knowledgeable for a long time. You know, I think that's where people have probably seen the fact that, okay, this guy's given us a lot of good stuff for a lot of years, you know, he and. You know, the fact that you're, you have the longevity. You know, like a fighter. You know, yeah, you have yeah, your yeah. longevity in the business, and, and at something you're good at. You know, I, I think gives you the credit on itself. Well, I, I hope I haven't been a stat
2: compiler. You know, <laughs> one of these guys who who's around for 20 years. He doesn't never drives in 100 runs, but he drives in 80. You know, but he does it for long enough that the totals are good. But um, you're no, good.
1: You're, I tell you what, you, he's good on our scorecards on Showtime, man. Because sometimes <laughs> I'll watch around round and I'll be like, "Damn, I don't want to score that round. <laughs> I hate
2: to score that round." That, that's <laughs> we, we could talk about scoring forever. And Paulie and I, we've been we've been. Arguing about <laughs> scoring forever, but it was a great weekend. And, and one thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna just hype myself a little bit here. For one thing, I was very proud of the fact when I learned that I had more people there not show, not Showtime, but friends than anybody that's ever been up there. Wow! Get I had, had Thirty two friends come up. That's, that's amazing. Four, four family members and twenty eight friends, and then there was a huge Showtime contingent also. So when I made my speech on Sunday. Wow, it was like you know, it was it that's was, cool. It was man. a big crowd, and uh, the fact that all my friends came up made it special because they're not boxing fans; they're they're my friends. Yeah, yeah. well, you it's know, that, that made it's it the great. support system. Yeah, you know?
1: exactly. That's cool, man. So I also we had Barry Tompkins from Showtime. You know, uh, we had him uh, get in as well. You know, Barry's also a guy who's had a lot of accolades. Stuff. I don't know. I don't know if you know. Barry's called some of the biggest fights oh, in yeah? the sport. Um, he's uh, been around. Even us at Showtime, Showbox, and uh, and uh, also what was it? What was uh, what do we have? Extreme Showtime, Extreme Showtime, Extreme, and of course he
2: was the voice of HBO for the major major fights. Yeah, he he was the voice
1: of HBO pre Jim Lampley. Right, exactly. And my favorite, my favorite stat, my favorite stat of his, Barry Tompkins' stat. He called Rocky versus Drago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which was definitely a fight of the year candidate. And his story <laughs> was about, an amazing fight. <laughs> yeah.
2: That was in Vancouver. They shot that in Vancouver. And his story's pretty funny because he had to go up there for like I don't know, three weeks and he got paid something like fifteen hundred bucks. So he's going, "Man, what a mistake I made! Yeah, I'll be in the movie, but like this was a big waste of time." Oh, I nailed then his the residuals, residuals came in. And he's made like hundreds of he's thousands. Probably of still, he's probably still getting paid for that every movie every time it's on TV. <laughs> That's great. You know, so so no, but Barry's so deserving, and you know, I'm a boxing guy. I've only done one thing for thirty nine years, mm. so I understand why I might receive an accolade like this. But Barry has been an announcer of every sport that ever existed, yeah, and he's great at all of it as a play by a good play by play man. Can call any sport. Yeah. You know, We talk about boxing. That's, that's a what skill. We do. But that's a skill, and he's great at boxing. He's still great, well into his 70s. God bless him. I mean, I can, he's, I, he's fantastic. I, I
1: can't even do play by play for boxing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let alone for
1: all sports. I've tried it, boy. I've tried it. I'm, <laughs> I'm brought boxing. I'm scared. And it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's a it's whole a different, different skill. It's a, different it's a whole skill. different skill set. Yeah, exactly. So congrats, Steve, and congrats, Barry, if you're out there I listening. You. And uh, the rest of the Hall of Fame induction class in 2017. You know uh, uh every year is an exciting time for uh, a lot of the fans like you said a lot of the fans you know these are the real fans I didn't think of it that way Steve those are the real fans nobody's going no half fast fan is <laughs> no. going up to the Hall of Fame <laughs> if you go up there for Hall of Fame weekend you're a trooper as far as boxing fan is concerned exactly
0: I just hear it's a great experience I, I have to get up there sometime to sit there and listen to the stories and they have the a boxers. parade at the end of the
1: weekend that's and, amazing and, and oh, the you go through wild. The, the town loves it it's like the town it's a candidate Canastota?
2: and the it, turnout this year yeah, for the parade because it was yeah. a nice day oh. it was incredible so my wife says, I'm not getting in the car with you. To wave, right? Because they give you your own convertible with your name on it. So I'm not getting in. So Joan Ryan, Barry's wife, says, Yes, you are. You're getting in. So of course she listens to Joan. I'm yeah. her husband. She's not going to listen to me. So we get in the car and Marsha is chewing up the scenery, waving to everybody, doing this to <laughs> the little kids and, and and talking to people. And I, I'm like sitting there kind of awkward. You know, you're doing this, you're doing this. Two handed wave. I feel like, What am I doing? She loved it. She ate it up. So that was the highlight of the weekend for her.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I think that town loved. It. That's what they're they known for. You know, they look forward to that parade every year, you know, until you drive through the whole. Whole town with the convertibles all the inductees and all the uh, ex-inductees and all the ex-champions and whatnot you all get a convertible you know I've been in the convertible you were too. in the car the year yeah, before was the we were all right yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. so you know it, it's a cool experience, well, a cool experience. I'd almost compare it to you know boxing as a sport to football as being gladiators and like you guys have this camaraderie and like they sit down these guys have beaten each other up Like got to war together, and now they have this closeness and brotherhood. I think think once you you shared the
1: ring with somebody, you know, there's uh, some, there's at least a little bit of respect, if not not a bit of major respect, you know, in there, you know. uh, And I think, uh, I think that's the case, you know. And when you're done fighting, and you don't have to have that ever have that mean streak again, because it's a mean streak you have to carry with you, you know. You kind of have this like this relief, and you can just smile all the time. And you see a lot of these ex-fighters are just smiling and just appreciating, you know, what, what the fans think about them or whatnot. You know, it's a it's a cool feeling, and of course, Hall of yeah. Fame weekend is the pinnacle of that. You and
2: know? and the best thing for me watching the fighters there is when you see two fighters who have a history together. Like for years, Pryor and Arguello would be up there. Unfortunately, yeah. neither one is still with us, but they would have great interplay. And you could tell they were they were so respectful of each other of each other because they had shared the ring for two great fights and only Paulie can discuss what that's like because I'm not a fighter, but there was an arm's length too. It's like Pryor (laughs) beat Arguello (laughs) twice and Alexis couldn't really deal with that. And this time it was Bo and Holyfield because Riddick was up there. Oh wow. And Evander of course got inducted this year. So you saw their interplay and the beauty of it and why you have to come upset someday is because it's not like Cooperstown. It's not like Canton, Ohio. The fighters mix with the fans and you can't ask for more than that. You can't go to you can't go to Cooperstown and sit with Stan Musial or Ted Williams no, or whoever it is no, and right. and think you're going to spend five minutes bullshitting about the old days. Yeah. Well, in Coop in uh, in Kansas you can.
0: That's quite. Cool. I didn't no. think of that either. Yeah, I should have went this time because I'm a huge Holyfield fan. Uh, I loved his career, man. I loved watching him fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exciting fights always. Great I mean, era. guy would come back from the dead. And, just, and now he's yeah. a promoter. <laughs> nah, yeah, now, yeah, nice promoting. Hey, you got you got to evolve and does all the other things, right? So we, we go from uh, the Hall of Fame. Now we, we had a fight last weekend for uh, between, I'd say, two p- uh, future Hall of Famers, right? The light heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. And it's a little controversial, so I'd love to hear what you guys had to say about that.
2: Well, I'll start by saying Andre Ward is consistent. He yeah. fights the same way all the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of times he bends the rules. A referee early in a fight of Andre Ward's, doesn't matter who it is, whether it was Mikkel Kessler with the headbutting or whatever it is, establishes a guideline for how that fight's going to be fought.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And... Sometimes, it's, it's no different than a basketball game where sometimes they swallow the whistle and they say, you two can mug yeah. each other, I'm not calling it.
1: Yeah, or the strike zone, right? You or early. the
2: strike zone. It's, all the fighters, and tell me if I'm wrong, Paulie, all the fighters want is consistency. If I know that I can hit you low yeah. or borderline, which yeah. a lot of boards punches were, then I know I can do that, and you know I can do that, and yeah. you proceed accordingly. Yeah. But it's yeah. when referees aren't consistent. And let's, there's one other quick factor I want to throw in. I know from being ringside, and Paulie is always ringside, you can't always see what happens in the ring. A referee doesn't necessarily
1: see whether a punch is low because he might be blocked and Of course, of course. No, no I, I think a lot of times, you know, he doesn't always see. Some fighters are very good at disguising things. But I, I, I don't think it's a good enough excuse because I feel like when it's done consistently, you have to eventually see it. Otherwise, you shouldn't be a referee. You know what I'm saying? If it's done too many times. Mm-hmm. The consistency, though, as far as the ref, kind of referee he's going to be, that's important. I think. I think that's very important because you know, you, you like in the first couple of pitches of a baseball game, you see where the strike zone is at. If he's calling a little wide, if he's calling a little tight, you know, okay, then you know. And as long as he's consistent, you're happy. As soon as he's inconsistent, you get a batter flipping out and he gets thrown out. You know what I'm saying? So the thing is the same thing with boxing. You, yeah, you you you, you want to see the consistency. And for the most part, referees are consistent in that they don't do shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, they, don't, they don't do anything <laughs> like my experience in professional boxing I was a professional boxer for 15 years referees for the most part can probably be charged a ticket for having the best seat in the house <laughs> literally they literally I mean I have I have been fouled all kinds of ways and rarely ever ever have I seen a warning given to the point where to the point where I got fouled so much in the Miguel Cotto fight that I learned never to even bother looking at a referee again because he's not going to do anything. You're probably better off. Yeah, that night was probably my biggest learning fight as far as people already know about it, the way the fight went and played out and everything. But also that fight also made me understand Man, you got to on this. You got to see all kinds of shit was going on in there. I mean, I was getting butted, elbowed. I was getting like he was hitting his, digging his knee into my shins. Like <laughs> Kodo's very smart. He's very astute. And you know, you give these guys appreciation. Later on, you learn to appreciate that. Man, you know what? He's, to be good at that kind of stuff, like Duran, you know, or Hopkins, uh, you know, yeah. like you know, to be good at that kind of stuff, you're like, man, that's that's an art in of itself. To well, know how to be dirty.
2: He was more you know? experienced than you were. Yeah. You had never fought anybody Plus like him. Plus, those before. guys
1: in Central America, they you know those Central American fighters, South American fighters. They grew up in those gyms, and it's almost like they're taught the fundamentals of boxing and they're taught the dirty stuff of boxing hand in hand you right, know right. You, a fighter in, in the US I think learns the, the dirty stuff as he gains experience right, you know right. I think those guys get taught that as, as kids like you know when they're taught the fundamentals of boxing they also get taught okay this is how you, you do yeah. this also stuff, and you, <laughs> you stick a little bit of this too you know you so don't hit him with I, the hook I, hit him with the elbow yeah right? so, so I think like it, it becomes second nature to them more, more so than that and I think uh, you know that's what I learned on that night was yeah. you know the referees are gonna pretty much do nothing my 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 the thing that makes me angry, oh, Steve, is when you do have a guy get hurt in the ring, all of a sudden, everybody wants to blame the referee. All of a sudden, mm. everybody wants to blame the referee. And that's what I don't like. You see, I'll blame the referee for getting it wrong on a certain calls. Like last week at Warden, Warden called that I thought it was horrible refereeing. But all of a sudden, when a guy gets hurt, like in the, for lack of a better example, the Pritchard-Cologne fight. Right. The I, I was Co- ringside, yeah. The Joe Cooper uh, scenario with the, the that he was allowing rabbit punches and, and he should have been warned for rabbit punches. Stuff like that pisses me off because... Myself, you watch my rematch with Love Moreno. Watch my rematch with Love when I had that braids. Watch how many rabbit punches I'm getting hit within the clenches Okay, Mickey Van is just hanging out there. He just had me. I'm literally, he's, we're literally in the clenches and he's he's trying to work in the clenches and he's just like banging me in the back of the head constantly. Bang, 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 bang. You know, and, and I I remember not even looking at the referee because at this point I had already had the Cotto experience, and I'm like whatever's happening is happening. You know, I got to deal with it, and I got to figure it out myself. That's my point because whenever a referee starts to get involved like that, and he does enforce the rules, the rare times he does, the media kills him. They, well, well, he's not letting yeah, them fight. The, you, you, he's not letting them fight, and that's he's the point and, I want to make. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like Now, all of a sudden, you intimidate these guys from doing their job, so they never do their job. And right. then the only time you hear about them not doing their job is when somebody gets hurt. No, buddy, right. they never do their job because you assholes prevent them from doing their job. <laughs> well, you're, ahead, you're, telling it,
2: you're telling it from a fighter's perspective, and I appreciate that, and I understand totally what you're thinking. But from a fan and a media person's perspective, they want it both ways. They want referees to officiate properly, yet if it's a Gaddy Ward fight, they don't want the referee anywhere near the action. Well, <laughs> yeah. you're either applying the rules or you're not applying the rules. So if it's a it's great fight, and a Jack Reese who likes to like break fighters up and explain to them what why he mm-hmm. is doing what he's, he's doing. He's of my fair roughs Well, he explains it. If he breaks up the fighters in a good fight because somebody did something, the media and the fans are going to be all over him. You can't have it both ways. Either officiate the fight or don't mm. officiate the fight. My, but, but, but fighters' lives are at stake.
1: My, you know, so my favorite refs right now, I say Reese is one of them. Um I forget the guy's last name in Canada. Is it Kenny Michael something Michael uh, Griffin. Griff, Michael Griffin, love him. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh for the most part, aside from the, the Mayweather Donna fight, I like Kenny Bayless too. I, I think Kenny okay. I think Penny I think Kenny's pretty good.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the man was, was identified. A, he went in with a with a too much. Yeah, it was the
1: first time that I ever yeah. had a complaint about Kenny. Like before right. that, yeah, even I would had him in, in my refereeing. But whatnot. you know what? But nobody's ever going to be perfect every time. No, but, and, but and they're for the, the most they're the three guys part, that I really like yeah. I'm saying you know what? I like the way they referee. A,
2: a referee, how he's thought of. He's one controversy away from being thought of differently than he was before. Yeah. Some some referees are lucky. They don't they don't have fights with with badly injured fighters. They don't have fights with 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 a lot of fouling, and and you think of them as good referees. If you don't see the referee, he's doing a good job. That, that that's BS. That's BS. That's BS. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know.
1: I, I, but I think for the most part, outside of those three guys, I don't think that the referee that's going to stand out to me. You know, everybody does their best. Everybody does what they can do. But I, I don't think there's a guy that's going to stand out to me and be like, oh man, you know what? Those three guys stand out to me as like probably the uh, above everybody well, else well
2: it's you know? it's a brutally difficult job
1: it is it, it is.
2: really is it really is because you know you have to set a standard during the fight you have to of course the toughest decision a referee has to make is when to stop a fight we can think of a million examples where mm-hmm. we agree where we disagree you might agree I might disagree mm-hmm. it's the Kovalev Ward fight being one of them
1: Yeah. Know, where, and where then, there was a lot of controversy and let's talk stoppage. about that right? which leads us into the war in Kovalev so what did you think Steve?
2: I didn't have a problem with the stoppage. I did have a problem with the fact that there were at least a couple of viciously low blows. Mm -hmm. They weren't taps, Mm -hmm. they were clearly low, they weren't borderline, they weren't on the belt, they were low blows, and they weren't called. So obviously that contributed to Kovalev's state at the time that he doubled over and he got stopped. The fact that he stopped it, with Kovalev doubled over, I didn't have a big problem. But what led to that, yeah, I had a problem.
1: Yeah, okay, consistent there. Here's where where I had a problem. World Green, viciously low blows. If you, at any point in that fight, give Andre a very stern warning, you do that again, you're going to take a point. As a fighter, you get a warning like that, you're probably going to stay away from the body altogether for at least a few rounds. You're probably going to say, you know what, I don't want to risk losing a point. Unless you're the, the, the ref, the, Yeah, well, yeah, well <laughs> unless you're Agapito Sanchez, like, rest in peace, or somebody like, or Andrew Galata or something. Right. You know? But for the most part, you don't want to lose that point. So what you, in order to not risk it, you start keeping your punches way high. like you, you probably won't attack the body with the same consistency you were for a couple of rounds because, you know what, you got a deserved warning at that point. is my problem with everything. Andre never got one of those warnings. He deserved one of those warnings. I'm not going to tell you he deserved to lose a point because maybe he gets one of those warnings and he doesn't do that anymore. But I'll tell you what happens. The evolution of the entire fight changes because if Andre stops going to the body with the same viciousness and consistency he was going, Kovalev is not broken down the same way. Mm. And Kovalev not being broken down the same way. He's still a very hard puncher. He's still with his head in the game. He's still with his head in the fight. Now we get to round what is it, seven or eight? When they stop eight, eight. Yeah, we get to eight. By that point, Kobla is broken down. People say, "Oh, he got hit with the big right hand." Guys, I mean, the point of the part of the reason he got hit with the big right hand is because he's broken down. I mean, let's yeah. say, let's From face it, like, like he's also slowed so down. Blows, so right. when you're slowed down, you're also more hittable. So forget the fact that he got hit with the big right hand. I don't want to hear he got big with a big right hand until he should have been stopped. But also. I got to say, with 20 weeks with Canelo and Angulo, for example, I didn't have a problem with that stoppage while well, a lot of people did because Angulo's a shot fighter. He, he's only taking more punishment to, in a point where there's no point in, it, in him doing it because, you know, he's not going to win the fight. He's a shot fighter altogether. He doesn't even deserve to be in the fight, let alone continue when he's catching a beating. So I didn't have a problem with we stopping the Canelo Angulo fight. But here's why I had a problem with this stoppage. because At this point, you haven't given Ward any, any warnings. Now, has broken down. He is. You step in at the point you stepped in. I thought legitimately I thought he was taking a point. Or I thought he was gonna about to give mm-hmm. Ward finally. He's finally gonna give War Ward a hard warning. Because Kobla did bend bend over, he did wilt over. At that point as a fighter, you're probably saying, What the hell is going on, bro? You know what I mean? Like am like, are you ever gonna warn this guy? You know, so so Kovalev does b- bend over. He wilts a little bit. Um and Weeks just steps in and stops it. Here's my problem. Kovalev is not Angulo. Kovalev is not a shot fighter. Kovalev deserves... This is the championship of the world we're fighting for. This is the, all the marbles we're fighting for. Kovalev deserves to at least have the opportunity to fight his way back into the fight. Maybe he doesn't. You know, Maybe, maybe it's gets, over in two he, more seconds. It's probably over. It's probably... At that point, because you haven't done your job the right way to that point anyway, it's probably over anyway in a couple of rounds later. But from a fighter's perspective, you're always going to have the what if. You're always going to have, because Kovalev's a monster puncher himself. He's always going to, now you leave Kovalev with the man. I could have caught him with a shot. I could have knocked him out. And it drives you bananas. And I'll give you another example personally. If Steve Smoger had stopped the Miguel Cotto fight with me. Bro, I'd lost the fight. I I wasn't coming back at a certain point. You know what I mean? After round 10, I think round 10 was my last stand, if I remember correctly. 11 and 12. Yeah, you know what? You could probably stop it at any point. But my lunatic mind will always wonder, what if? Because I'll always think, man, Cotto was tired too. What if? What if? You, 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 know what? I don't have to ever think what if. Yeah, I found out what if. You I know, t- I tell you so, what, what. So you left Kovalev from a fighter from a fighter for the championship world. Everything now he's got to wonder what if. You know, maybe, maybe we're biased as fighters, but. I, that's why we compete. We always have the what if in our mind. I, I, we want that satisfied when we're in the ring. Now
0: Kovalev is never going to have that satisfied. And they're never going to fight again. I doubt it. I no. know, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you guys. like, What's next no. for these two they're guys? They're never going to fight well, again. Well, Ward
2: it- indicated he wants to move up in class. I don't know if that's realistic I, or not. But one, one quick point about what Paulie's talking about. That's a big difference between referees and judges. Judges could call a fight between two guys they've never seen before and do a good job referees have to know the history of the fighters, especially at the top level. I always think back to Matthew Saad Muhammad. You think of Arturo Gatti. You don't referee a fight of one of those guys the same way you referee a fight with two six-round kids. Yeah. you know, And, and plus you add the fact that there are high stakes involved, so maybe you have a little longer leash as a referee. But referees have to do their homework and, in essence, be fight fans. They have to know, well, Kovalev is this, or Ward can take this much punishment, or Matthew Saad Muhammad, if he gets pinned to the ropes, you don't stop the fight. Yeah. You know, you have to know the history and, of a fighter, right? And that, and some refs are good at that, and some aren't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's, that's, a, that's a fair point as well. You know, you got to know what you're doing, and you yeah. got to have a you got to have a, 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 a be cognizant of who right. these guys and judges are. Judges
2: don't judges yeah. don't need to know that, but referees mm-hmm. do. Jud, you yeah. don't want judges to know. Well, Paulie Malaj, he's a a boxer who doesn't hit that hard. He shouldn't go in the fight with yeah. that attitude. Of course, yeah. you, you score you what you, you score. See. What
1: you see, Yep, exactly. And you I, think, uh, you think one could, thing I guess lost in, in all this, unfortunately, because of all this, is the fact that Andre Ward fought a very good fight. Mm-hmm. Andre Ward was sharp, man. That dude was sharp. He came sharp. He came ready, and like for the most part, most people had him down. At a certain, I don't know. Yeah, I thought he
2: was yeah. doing better than the scores.
1: I, you know, you thought he was doing better than the scores. Yeah. Like I had him down a point. I had him down one. Okay, you know, but he would have won that last round. A so couple like, of judges yeah. had him yeah. down like
2: three, though, right? One
1: judge had him down three. The other two had him up one. Up one. But okay. but for, even for mostly parts, press roll, the Kovalev up Kovalev was up on most of the cards on press roll. Here's the thing, though. You can be behind halfway through and still be fighting a great fight. I mean, I thought Andre was fighting a good fight, and it I was really, really like getting excited about how this thing going to play out. You know, because mm-hmm. I see Andre coming on, I see Kovalev folding, a uh, fading, and he, and he was folding a little bit. I was excited myself about how's this thing gonna play out right now because Andre didn't really make any. Andre might be down, maybe he's up, maybe he's down, but he hasn't really made a lot of mistakes. So he and he's yeah. and, he, and he's getting into the fight. He's getting, he's coming into his own. I felt he was really relaxed, real sharp. Um... You know, It was a good fight, and I I wanted to see how it would have played out. Granted, I would have liked to see Weeks stop, put an end to the blow blows almost immediately so to see how the, the it plays out between two world-class fighters instead of right. how it plays out with the fouls and whatnot. But nonetheless, I got, also got to give Andre Ward credit. He came ready to fight. He came with a very, very sharp and, game plan.
2: And also the psychological advantage Ward had is that in the back of his mind, and the back of Kovalev's mind, they knew what happened the first time Ward won om- on the cards anyway Ward won almost every round in the second half of the first fight so in his mind even if he's down a couple of points yeah. he knows
1: this is a very winnable fight yeah.
0: and he said it himself he said the fight starts in the second six rounds yeah and only a real champion understands that you know <laughs> and somebody and like Andre understands that you mentioned that he said he's going to he's talking about moving up to cruiserweight and even heavyweight which seems crazy um, I see Kovalev uh, maybe coming over to Showtime and, and fighting Stevenson what do you guys think about that I don't think Stevenson fights him. If Stevenson wasn't fighting him before, I don't think Stevenson fights you know, him now.
2: You know, St- Stevenson's is 39 years old, yeah. and I would th- you would think that as a fighter who's 39 years old, he would want to maximize his paydays. Mm. There's a guy named Betabiev, who's also a guy mm. nobody wants to fight. Yeah, that's, he's, not he's not maxi- I-
1: that's not really going to maximize his payday, though.
2: Uh, well, it <laughs> might minimize his career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But yeah, there are still viable fights to be made at 175.
1: Well, so. let's not forget Elieira Alvarez's, Donis is mandatory. You know, if he doesn't, fight one of these high stakes fights then he's gonna have to fight alvarez you know um and that'll draw in montreal so it could be money and i think he probably gets beat by alvarez you know at this point you know alvarez seems hungrier younger um fresher um so are you gonna risk the loss with alvarez or are you gonna risk the loss with uh kovalev or ward who may at this point bring in generate and bring in more money you know it's uh, it's interesting
0: to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment and more. play it at play.it So you know everyone wants to talk about Mayweather McGregor, but let real quick before we get to that there's another big fight happening that's kind of getting overlooked now because of this fight is uh, Broner Garcia, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting fight and I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Well, <laughs> you're right, P- Paulie. You yeah, yeah. I, I, I Five-hour energy or something. Yeah, right. I,
2: I find I'm I, I'm an odds guy. I, I I like to gamble and I sure. follow boxing gambling. Been known man. to
1: throw it in once or twice. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Locksmith. Never
2: never bet on fights. I'm working. Let me make that clear right now.
0: <laughs> Disclaimer. Nice. <laughs> but is that allowed? Broner is 80. Are you allowed <laughs> to bet on fights you work?
2: Uh, it's not ethical, but yes, I, I'm allowed mm-hmm. if I'm in Nevada. Yeah, I've got to be in Nevada. I, yeah. can't,
0: I can't say
1: I haven't done that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Paulie, be careful. Somebody, uh, a former colleague of yours at Showtime, <laughs> he was never He never worked with you, but he got in a little trouble for that, so be careful. Oh, oops. I, I think that what's interesting is the odds in this fight. I mean, Adrian Broner is a 5-1 to underdog. Yeah, and he's wow. the bigger, naturally bigger guy. That's a big what's interesting is that I was looking today. I'm doing a little ring resume uh, for for the Showtime website um, for, uh, on uh, Adrian Broner. He was a five to one favorite when he fought Maidana. Seems hard to believe now. They five one against me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. Are people selling Adrian short? Paulie can speak to that probably better than me, but. I don't. I don't think Mikey Garcia is going to do to him what he did to Zlatichinin. That's for sure. No, you know, not a not a guy with who's defensively who's going to be tricky and defensively a little more responsible and also bigger. Yeah. So the odds to me, I, I can't pick against Mikey. He's the hot fighter and he's 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 really good. Let's face it. Um, but given the weight and given Broner's quality, I, I five to one just seems a little wide
1: yeah you know i I, i'll give i i think mikey deserves to be the favorite simply on this word consistency you know i think mikey's a a consistent fighter you know he consistently does what he's supposed to do consistently fights in a very disciplined manner consistently lives in a very disciplined manner fundamentally very sound consistently as well um just the consistency overall adrian a lot of times you don't know which ab you're gonna get you know you know he's talented and you know he's got this explosive speed and and power especially at the lower weights. um Below 147, anyway. But you know, I and it's it's a fight where I'm saying I can't see AB showing up not motivated the same way. You know, I can't see AB like nothing. Not, and I can't. And I don't want to sell everybody else that fought AB short because let's say let's face it. I mean, AB's AB's the kind of guy like this. I mean, they, everybody can talk about what they want about AB. I, I hear at people that are in the gym with him. AB and this fighters like this. You get him in the gym. He's the hardest working fighter ever. Okay, he doesn't he doesn't half ass it at all in the gym. It's when he leaves the gym that you got to watch him. You know what I'm saying? So even in camp, you know, you may you got to keep an eye on him when he leaves the gym. But inside the gym, A B doesn't half ass his workouts. You know, he works very hard in there. So I can't see A B half assing this camp because he never half asses it in the gym. Maybe he, he'll be a little more disciplined outside the gym for this camp. And then you know, if you're mentally and physically involved in the fight, I think you have yourself a really good fight. Well, he better he
2: better be mentally into it because he has to make 140. Yeah, and that's been a problem for him in the past.
1: Yes, yeah. is there so. any is there any fines for the weight set like? Because uh, uh, a good question. million dollars a pound I, I made Chavez make weight. <laughs> million dollars a pound made Chavez make weight. You know,
2: but so. you know, we, we we tend to constantly talk about Broner in terms of motivation outside the ring, making weight. There's also the issue of talent and skill, and he's a slow starter. Yeah, you know, if the fight is a six round fight, mm-hmm. you beat him easy. Mm-hmm. Okay, there were many other fights where he started slow. Donna, he was on the floor in the second round, mm-hmm. etc. He's a slow starter. Um, when pressured, he'll punch. But if you don't pressure him, and you told me this, mm-hmm. if you don't pressure him, he'll fight at a very slow pace. Mm-hmm. You know, Mikey's an awfully smart fighter. Yeah, and I just think that Mikey's IQ, boxing IQ, mm-hmm. might be enough to carry him through.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is this the first I, I mean, time he's an underdog, Broner. This might be the first time,
2: right? I'm sure Porter was favored over him. Yeah, I'm okay. sure by the time he fought, yeah, that's I'm right. Sure yeah.
1: But you know, the thing is, you know. I think that's where the where where wherein lies everything. Mikey's been more consistent, like we just said, you know, and I I think that carries the day a little bit as far as everybody's what everybody's looking at, you know. I think five one is a little steep. I do think that. um, I think Steve makes a good point. Uh, Broner's a naturally bigger guy. You know, um, and him being that truly bigger guy, he's a guy who can punch at a lower weight. I mean, obviously, we know Mike and Mikey can punch. Mikey can punch. I mean, I, I've heard a story of Mikey's hurting guys that are bigger than him in the gym. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and so that, that's a very rare quality. There's guys that have that quality, and Mikey's one of them. You know, so I think Mikey's punching power is going to be more than consistent enough to hurt. To hurt uh, AB as well, but a b's got a good chin. You know, he was down against Madonna He got up. You know, he was able to finish the fight and, and get his get get going. You know,
2: it's it's a fascinating fight, and the stakes are fascinating because there's no title at stake yet. This is a really important fight for both guys. If Broner loses this fight, where's he at? Mm-hmm. Okay. If Mikey wins the fight, maybe he fights Linares next in a unification down the road or whatever. But Mikey is as hot. An attractive and American fighter as there exists. Yeah. So the stakes are tremendous, and it's an, an example of a situation where
0: no no titles, who cares? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, I think after the last Lomachenko fight, Gar- Mikey and Lomachenko were going at it on Twitter, and it was really cool, mm-hmm. you know, like, calling each other out. You know? Yeah,
1: I think that's a very interesting uh, fight, too. I'd yeah. love to see that. Uh, you got to...
2: Settle on the politics, then obviously, but yeah,
1: and you and the weight too. I mean, I think Mike, I mean, I've been I've seen Lomachenko in person, I've seen Mikey in person. Mikey's a lot bigger, yeah, that's a 35 maximum there, or maybe uh, Mikey has
2: to come down a couple times.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man, because I'll tell you what, I mean, Mikey's a monster puncher already, a lightweight. I mean, to hit a naturally, if he connects with a naturally smaller guy, I mean, he might sleep for a week, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, Lomachenko's great, that's the thing about it. Who's Lomachenko gonna fight? Yeah, I at mean, that I want, weight, right? one thirty. I mean, it's. I, I mean, I mean, there's guys there. Just a matter of if they're fight. I mean, there's Boys. guys like Miura, Burchell, Ber- There's Salito who just passed up on the rematch. There's, you know, I think Javante Davis is young, so I don't see. I don't yeah. see him being yeah. in a rush to get him there with him. You know, uh, I don't know. You know, the thing about uh, uh, another one thing I want to go back on with the motivation with AB making weight or whatnot. One thing people have to understand: you can be in shape and be overweight. Making weight, the process of making weight is actually mental. It's not physical so much. I mean, it is physical, obviously, but it's also mental because you can be in great shape in camp and not have done your dry out yet. And when the dry out is the, ma- is the making weight portion of, of the camp, you know? So, you can be in great shape. You can, so, you know what, Sometimes when you see a guy who didn't show up in, on, on weight, doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean he's out of shape. You know what I'm saying? It just means he didn't want to do the dry out or he messed up his dry out or whatever. You know, there's a way you time that, you know, a uh, way where you... Where you totally drying out and t- taking away your liquids, you know? So, again, w- when it comes to... And you got to suffer to do it. it. I mean, the drying out is suffering, you know? May, the thing about with AB is, you know, sometimes I, you think where he's been spoiled, where he doesn't want to do it. Because, again, I mean, I, I hear AB trains hard in the gym, but he's, done the, he's not made weight so many times that he's probably like... I don't want to deal with this dry out. I'm going to, you know, like you got to go to sleep dead thirsty, for example. And then in the morning, you can't, you're going to wake up really thirsty. And even if you happen to sleep and you got to go work out while you're thirsty and you got to be more thirsty. So, mm. you know, somebody like Gabe, you know, at a certain point might say, I feel like I'm having this water right now. Who cares? Well, you know? that's the to this
0: 140. So I would, I think like your question before, there's got to be some pound punishment, you know, yeah. Garcia Gar- Gar- won't well, go in there with a 150, yeah. you know, 160. AB, Which
2: AB will be a lot more by the time the fight happens anyway. But I, I never understood what happened with we did the fight with Theophane mm-hmm. when AB went into the fight holding a title.
1: Yeah, when you, and you he was up. 40
2: and a half, he he, he scaled half a pound yeah. over the limit and didn't try to make when, weight.
1: When you are, I think mean, that's that's odd. When behavior. you are giving up world titles on the scale for half pound for half pounds a weight you should be making cuz let's face it Broner's not that tall he's not a welterweight you know there's no way he should be fighting a welterweight um when you're fighting when you're given a world title on the scale at a weight you should be making you start you got to start to question your motivation you know so we'll see if AB can bring back that hungry motivation he used to have you know cuz at one point we all have it you know there's a reason all world champions have that hungry motivation at one time then yeah. it slowly dissipates at a different at a different pace one from the other, you know, you'll lose it eventually, but some guys lose it faster than others, you know, we'll see where AB's motivation is, this is going to tell us a lot about Adrian Broner, and where he finds his, where he, what he thinks about himself, what he thinks about his career, and where his career is going, July 29th is a big day, for both guys, but yeah. Adrian Broner is always the one you have a lot of question marks about.
0: Right. All right, so we can move on to the the spectacle that is Mayweather-McGregor. <laughs> I, I going to throw a few questions to you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just guys, give me your opinion on it, and, we'll, and, and I'm sure through these questions, your your true feelings about this fight will come mm-hmm. out for sure. Um, you know, talk about the implications on the sport of boxing. you think this could attract MMA fans to the sport, or even ca- get casual fans back into the sport a little bit? I know uh, Floyd's putting a, together a pretty good undercard as well. I think Gerv- Gervonta's going to be on it, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jack. Yep, but I do Jack as well, so go ahead with right. that one.
1: You know, I I think a lot of MMA fans have misconceptions about boxing, just like a lot of boxing fans have a lot of misconceptions about MMA. I think a chance to watch in a night a spectacle in our sport, Um, you know, watch some very good fighters in the undercard. Hopefully they watch because I've been to some of the fight parties where not everybody's a boxing fan and nobody's watching the undercard. Hopefully they're paying attention and watching. During the undercard, watching these championship-level fighters like Javanta Davis, like Badu Jack, and whoever else is on the card, you know, give us a chance to show you the best of our sport and how we do it, you know, not just in the ring but also yeah. the spectacle that it is because, uh, let's face it, MMA knows how to throw a party, you know, they know how to put a spectacle together, and it's a pretty cool party, it's a pretty cool event, I've been to some M- UFC fights as well, you uh, bottom line you can have all the razzmatazz around it you need to deliver with a good fight though I think for the for fans to really appreciate the sport you're going to have to deliver some good fights at least the undercard hopefully the main event gives us some fireworks in some way shape or form Um, and I think that's the best way to always grip fans the razzmatazz is always good only if your bottom line pays
2: a point I I want to make is that boxing is a unique sport in this sense how many times have you heard somebody say to you, hey, Paulie, I get in the ring with Mike Tyson for a for, million bucks. Yeah. All right, and, how and, and many you know times? I, all right, yeah. I, I know what you're going to say, and it was the same thing I would say, and you're a fighter. And you won't right. ever
1: make it out of the locker room.
2: Exactly. You never get to that point in the, to the, first, in the first place. How often you hear somebody say... uh oh, uh, I, I'd like to catch Tom Brady's pass across the middle of the field and get hit by a defensive back. No, nobody says that because everybody <laughs> knows I could never in a million years do that. Yeah. But in boxing, for some reason, because the sport is so elemental, who hasn't raised his fist yeah. at some point? Okay, <laughs> I fought with my brother. You fought with your brother. Guys have punched the heavy everybody, bag. You know, like, everybody <laughs> thinks they can do it. Well, to me, that's almost like what, that's like the subtext of this fight because we have a guy who's a great athlete and has the mental attitude of a champion in Conor McGregor, but he's not a boxer. Okay, everybody thinks you can do boxing. It's easy to do. You get in there and you hit somebody. Well, that's obviously a pretty, pretty uh, (laughs) unsophisticated uh, attitude to have. But to me, there's a little pressure on boxing in this fight, because Floyd should technically win this fight very easily. Not only is he fighting a guy who's not a boxer, but he's the greatest fighter of his generation. To me, there's pressure. It's like it's like the first Super Bowl. The NFL played the AFL. And Vince Lombardi, everybody was telling him, "You got to kick their ass. You got to show them. You got to show them that the NFL is way better." Yeah, and there was a lot of pressure on the Green Bay Packers in the first Super Bowl because the AFL was, you know, considered mm-hmm. minor league. Well, they kicked their they kicked the AFL's butt. I th- I see a, 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 an analogy with this fight in terms of boxing as a sport and how it's perceived.
1: So let's say Mayweather dismantles Connor, Let's say, for argument's sake. You know the AFL eventually a couple of years later won some Super Bowls, right? <laughs> so, That's so right. Do you see more mixed martial artists coming into boxing and and then plying their trade and and you know evolving into boxers?
2: Paulie, this is, it's about this, and I'm rubbing my fingers together. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean Conor McGregor is going to make the kind of money that MMA fighters dream about. Mm-hmm. So of course it's going to it's going to draw people, but they're not all Conor McGregor, and they're not all going to get a, a Floyd Mayweather fight. So
1: of course, of course. You know, the thing is, you know, I, I think you want to generate interest, and then from there. You know, you'll see how the, the the chips end up falling. You know, you, you need you need you need some positive to come out of this, especially after Mayweather Pacquiao at this point. That a lot of people, you want something positive to come out of this. I think the event itself, it's probably more fun than the Mayweather Pacquiao fight yeah, because added- Pacquiao's a boring personality. Let's face it. You know, here you have Mayweather and McGregor polarizing personalities, polarizing figures, you know? I, I, I tell you what, Mayweather probably doesn't talk as good of trash as he used to. Whenever, you know, you're young, when you're younger, you always talk better trash because you're hungrier, you're just vicious, you know, in every way. I, mean, I think Mayweather was a better trash talker when he was young, but he's still a trash talker, you yeah. know? Connor has still, has the youth enough to be that natural charismatic trash talker because he's still at that age where, you know, you, you're just vicious and you're in love with th- what you're doing, you know? So, I think the promotion itself can be fun, I think the the event itself can be quite a spectacle, and you hope it just delivers just a little bit. Well, the, e- the
2: expectations bit. are different than Mayweather-Pacquiao. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The expectations are way lower. But only
1: in boxing, this is the thing. I think expectations for a lot anybody outside of boxing. I mean, just you can just tell by the amount of money being thrown in on Colin McGregor. The expectations from outside of boxing. Let's face it, boxing is a very niche amount of people in the population compared to the overall number. I mean, with the amount of people. Throwing in money on McGregor, these guys—they're gonna get the odds down to what they were for Mayweather-Pacquiao. That's you know that's what I'm saying.
2: Absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm saying. So, so you know, a lot of people. For a lot of people, this is uh, a spectacle. But for a lot of people, this is also a, a, a big deal, a big fight. So you need it to deliver just a little bit. You need it to deliver just a little, at least a little bit let more me, than Mayweather and Pacquiao. Let baby. me
2: ask a question because I, I find this interesting. I want to hear Paulie's answer. McGregor's not a boxer, okay? Because he's not a boxer, but he is a champion. Will he take chances early in the fight that an Andre Berto, a Robert Guerrero, whoever else, wouldn't take? Because it's almost like he doesn't know better. Yeah. I feel like he has
1: to. I mean. I feel like he has to. I
2: I, I think a champion goes into the ring, even in this fight, with the attitude that I'm going to win.
1: Yes, of course. Course, you know. but a, but a boxing champion goes in there when your first round you get your feel out round and you know you have your hands up and you change the looks and you you know you're scientifically studying and you, you're throwing your shot your shots just a little short because you know you want to see the reaction you get so then you can know if you can step in the weight right where you want to step in you know there's probing shots in the first round you know I don't know if Conor understands that we'll find out you know I'm sure he understands that in an MMA fight there's also probing shots but. He's never done this boxing thing, you know. Is, is he going to come in understanding the psychological aspect of the probing shots and the f- setting your distance in round one? He or might is he be gonna, better off or not. He, or is he going to come out shooting? Because, well, of course, he might be better off not because Mayweather's a master at setting it, the distance and doesn't probing. If he does come out you know? shooting, he has zero chance to yeah. win. Well, you, know.
0: you guys, I'm, just a, I'm a fan, so you know, I'm not there at ringside with you guys. The, and I've watched all of Floyd's fights. I guess the, the, the small success I've seen against him, Maidana had some success against him in the first fight. And even Victor Ortiz before he like the, w- what mm-hmm. happened, the pressure and like the kind of almost like on top of him, kinda of almost tackling, fouling him, mm-hmm. I almost see like that that's the way Connor's gonna go.
1: Connor never fought that way in, in the UFC. Connor Connor maximizes his distance with long left hands or kicks and whatnot. Connor's best ass, asset to what his style is, he has a pretty style himself. You know, he has that, you know, extend my punches, snap them out type of type of style. So I mean, if he starts mauling you, he's going to take away from his own style, number one. And number two, he's going to be outside of his own nature. You know what I mean? Like, even even as, a, as by MMA standards, that's outside of his own nature. So, I, I can't even see that, you know, because it's not like he's a wrestler. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we're talking about, like, a Randy Couture or something. we're going boxing, you can see him, like, all, all on top of you, moulding you. I feel like Conor is not going to do any mauling because it's not in his nature to maul you even in the UFC. You know, and even in a mixed martial arts fight, you
0: know?
2: It's a new world for him. <laughs> that's... How he's going to react, we'll see.
0: Now, Venus is his first fight, you know. And this is this is not for me. This is a question that's kind of coming to me. I think this is silly, but do you guys think there should, be, if Floyd wins the fight, there should be an asterisk next to his fifty? You know, his fiftieth win. No. No, no. The fight it's, is a fight. Right. I mean, it's on your record. Agree. I mean,
2: you know, Deontay Wilder before he became heavyweight champion fought a lot of guys that were yeah. way below him. Yeah. Should we have an asterisk next to him? Because yeah. you know, let's yeah. say Marciano fought better guys, or yeah. uh, no? That's yeah. I silly. mean, even Marciano It's a, a license his record.
1: It's, you know, the, all, everybody has guys the lesser fighters on on their record. You know what I mean?
2: And and to me, Paulie, I don't know if you agree, but. It's a different era than 30, 40 years ago when Marciano's record of 49-0 was everything because mm-hmm. no one came close to matching it. Mm-hmm. Now you got Ricardo Lopez who was 51-0 mm-hmm. and he, he had a draw. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Joe Calzaghe, mm-hmm. not as many wins as Floyd, but mm-hmm. against pretty good level of opposition for a long time, 40-something-0. And, mm-hmm. and then you have fighters. Sven Ottke never lost a fight. Yes. Yet nobody talks about him as a great fighter because he mm-hmm. probably wasn't a great fighter. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the, the uh, importance you put on records is not... What it once was.
1: Yeah, you gotta. I think you gotta put importance on finding ability styles and whatnot.
0: You're talking about Conor's style, and like you, you know, you're. you're I mean, let's face
1: it, a guy, a guy in this day and age could be 100 at all. They'll still never call him the best fighter ever. Right. Know? That's so, how times so have changed. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's actually ridiculous to me. You know, I mean, every sport, people understand that fighters, that athletes are better in this generation than they were in the past generations. But boxing, somehow, the guys who never saw certain fighters fight live will tell you that they're better than the guys they're watching today. Somehow, some way. So I, I think, I think. Um, you have to stop putting the onus on records just for that reason, because you know you can have a hundred and no guy. They still won't ever consider him the best fighter ever. So just go, just go about it, enjoy the show, see how judge a fighter for his ability, his 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 skills, his uh, character in the ring, every a lot of things you judge fighters on, you know, and just judge him on that.
2: I, I just one quick point. I, I use this all the time, and it's 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 one of the reasons people like me who, who who's a historian does give so much credence to the old days. Sugar Ray Robinson gave away weight and fought Jake LaMotta twice in three weeks. Twice Jeez. in three weeks,
1: yeah. <laughs> okay?
2: There was no press tour, it was pay-per-view, no, no. people,
1: you know. But you didn't need it, it was so popular back then, Steve. It was so popular, you were still gonna sell the guard now. It was crazy. And fighters Those made their money from times. the game, not from yes. TV. So that's why
2: boxing might be the only sport where you look at a Ray Robinson as a welterweight who was once 130 and won, mm-hmm. and you go, he was better than anybody you fought today. You don't think that in other sports, but that's why you do think that in boxing.
0: Because the sport changed, right? Yeah. Um, you talked about Conor's style. You mm-hmm. follow the UFC. I know you got mm-hmm. UMP. Watch it all the time. So it, that style doesn't sound like it's, it, it will work against Floyd. If you're going to sit there and try to use your distance with a with well, a master, that's the thing you know. So what, Conor, what, what can he do? What 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 should he do? What can he do?
1: Well, Conor has done. Kids think about Conor McGregor. He's a very hard worker, so he has to understand. In order to hit Floyd, you're probably not going to hit him with the intended shot. So you probably want to set traps, th- set up punches, a lot of throwaway punches to see where you, where Floyd is going. To see if you can put him in a certain position where Floyd is going. If you pick up a pattern of where he's going, because that's one thing about Floyd. He varies his defense and his offense. If you start to pick up a pattern of what he's doing... Maybe you can start throwing the throwaway shot to put him in the position that maybe consistently you're seeing him go to, 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 then, to then catch him with a follow-up. You're not going to catch Floyd with just, okay, you know what, I'm going to throw a 1-2 or I'm going to throw a lead left hook. You've you you gotta you gotta you've almost got to use a combination of feints and, and set-up shots and probing shots to work your way to the hard shot you want to land, mm. all in the same combination. I, I've just explained it to you really slowly. All that has to happen in a matter of a second or two. You know what I'm wow. saying? Like, where well, you're throwing well, there, you, there, there's a combination. You're, you're throwing, you're throwing. Like, the beginning of the combination may seem like you're you're throwing intended to be hard shots, maybe to the viewer, but they're not. And also, the thing is, you want Floyd to think that they're intendedly hard shots, so he reacts to them. Once he reacts to them, maybe he winds up in a position where you want him to be, so your third and fourth shot can crack him. You know, crack him hard. Yeah. That's the thing you're trying to do. You know what I'm saying? That's a, a lot of times people don't see. That some of the punches, it, there's not weight on some of the shots, and there's weight on some of the shots. You know, on TV, a lot of a lot of the times you don't see. Matter of fact, one example I'll give you: my last fight with Sam Egginton, for example, I hit him, I hurt him with a one-two at the end of round six, and then at the end, I was just trying to flurry him at, to get him, try to get him out before the bell because I knew the 10-second tap. I, I knew i heard the 10 seconds tap on video, and I seen on Twitter a lot of people be like, "Oh man, he hit him with everything, and he still couldn't hurt him." Paulie's got no power. Understood. We don't have a lot of power here, but <laughs> the two-fisted attack you see at the end of the round. I, there was nothing on my left hand. You know what I was doing? I was throwing the left hand almost open-handed and and cocking my hip every time to throw hard right. So I was going, Wop, 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 Wop. So all the, all the power was on the right hand. There was no, I was putting nothing on any of those left hands. I was trying to just pick up my... Shoot my hip back in position to, to cock it, and with the right hand. Granted, he still didn't go down.
0: He was I, hurt though, Paul. I'll say. He told me he was yeah. shook to his boots. Yeah. You know,
1: after <laughs> the fight. You know what yeah. I mean? But it was the one too. It was the one. It, none of the other shots right. were enough to get him out of there. I think if I had ten more seconds, I get him out of there. But what I'm saying is, you may see on TV something that looks like a combination to you, but in reality, the first shot or two has nothing on it. But it's it's designed as a setup. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If it sells you that you think it's a solid combination, it's one thing. The important thing is it has to sell the opponent. If it sells the opponent, he reacts the way you want him to react, and you get him out of there with a third or fourth shot. That's the thing about Conor McGregor, easier said than done.
2: Well, you just said easier said than done. Now, I haven't been asked to train Conor McGregor, and I doubt I probably will be asked.
0: There is a chance, though, but Steve, if I, you're saying. Uh, there's a
2: chance.
1: But
0: if <laughs> so I were asked, <laughs> this, this is what
2: I would tell him. He's not gonna develop these sophisticated skills no, it's, it's, in one a, training it's a,
1: it's a, camp. It's a thought process. Though. And, and, and
2: thing. It, it's developed, the muscle memories developed when yeah. you're an amateur. It's so a, what I would say to him is, throw as many left hands as you can and hope Floyd starts acting his age. Because Floyd's shown no sign of mm-hmm. aging in his fights up till now. Now he's been off for two years. Maybe the split second reaction isn't there. That's his only chance.
1: Yeah. I also probably would see if he goes to the body a lot, maybe slow Floyd down a little bit, you know? Floyd, the older guy, you maybe start of ripping him to the body a little yeah. bit and see if he slows down. I don't know there's. Because you, you're also, the thing about you, we're all talking about what Connor has to do. You have to keep in mind he's got to do all this while Floyd's offense is also coming at him. And that's going to be a pretty rough offense to deal with because Floyd's offense is very has a big variation to it. It's difficult to time. It's difficult to figure out. You know, and so a lot of times you probably just want to be out of range altogether when you can't figure out, and then step back, in, step back in range when you're comfortable again. So you have to pick your spots. You don't have to pick your spots.
0: Yeah, everyone's talking, uh, you know, when they talk about Conor McGregor, he's a big left hand, and he's, he's known for using that big left hand knocking guys out. Mm-hmm. Talk about the difference. You would know this. Uh, in glove size you know 10 ounce gloves versus 4 ounce gloves and, and how, what that's gonna do to Conor and his power
1: Um, I'm not sure it's gonna as far as what it's gonna do here's the thing the way you're throwing a shot too you know 4 ounce gloves obviously are smaller they're gonna obviously hurt a little more but here's the thing 10 ounce gloves the way your hand is wrapped underneath the boxing glove dude that's no joke I don't know how they wrap in MMA but in, in professional boxing, the hand wrap underneath is like a bat. I mean, I feel like I got two little hammers in my hand. I mean, granted, I don't punch like that, but you know, when your hands are wrapped up underneath the glove, and then they put that glove on and they they put it as tight as they can. They put it they put it in and they put it in all the way in as hard as they can so that the glove your knuckle part of your gloves are shooting up like almost through the leather. You know what I'm saying? And then they tape it up. And they tie it up. You know, dude, that's I mean it's ten ounces, but you're feeling you're feeling every 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 inch of that knuckle. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Because the rap is also helping out. You know what I mean? It's like a little a little hammer in there. You know, So so the power is there. The power is going to be there. The problem is in your delivery because one thing I feel about Floyd, if he doesn't respect you, he starts backing you up. We've seen Floyd back guys up. We've seen Floyd do it to Southpaws like Sean Bay Mitchell and Zab Judah. Once you're backing up a guy, he's le- he's, the level of power he's able to generate is even less. So it's not about it's kind of going to be able to hurt him with the gloves. It's a matter of is Conor going to be able to not be backed up? Because if Connor gets backed up, he's going to have a lot less power in the left hand that he has already. You know what I'm saying? Also, one last thing to keep in mind, boxers are used to getting punched in the face. Mixed martial artists do not get hit in the face as often. A lot of their training is on the ground, r- grappling and whatnot. As soon as a punch lands in a fight, the fight ends almost instantly. You know what I'm saying? So, so I don't know if there's anything you can do to get used to getting taking shots, but when you're sparring week in, week out, for, the, for years of your life like professional boxers do, it takes a little bit more for them to respect the punch, you know what I'm saying, So than an average person.
2: An interesting scenario, we were talking about this before, for me would be if Floyd dominates, does what he wants, we all know Floyd's mentality is to win and not worry about Mm -hmm. entertaining. We've seen it so many times. What happens in round seven, eight, nine, if Floyd's shutting him out, not getting hit, but clearly not trying for a finish, which is consistent with his, will he lose the crowd?
1: Yeah, I think he does. Yeah.
2: and that would that, be a very interesting thing because yeah. here would be the guy the boxing guy proving to everybody that this is an MMA guy he can't box with me you know yet he could lose the crowd yeah. I, uh, I think that would be a very I, interesting scenario I, if it plays out that I way I
1: think Floyd loses the crowd I don't know if Floyd is going to have the crowd to begin with actually you know a lot of mixed martial arts fans well, in and the
2: underdog you know. Yeah, right.
1: but but I, I think uh, he loses more of the crowd if he doesn't get the stoppage. In general, I think if if Conor goes to a certain point, it's like Rocky with Drago. I mean, remember Rocky with Drago speaking of a uh, Barry calling the fight. You know, like <laughs> yeah. at a certain point in the fight, granted it's a movie, but at a certain point in the fight, the crowd's turning just because Rocky's still in there. You know, it's all about so, expectations. Yeah. So so if Conor's still in there at a certain point in the fight, I mean. I think whatever portion of the crowd was for Floyd is going to start going for Connor in general, you know? I think the only way Floyd doesn't lose the crowd or whatever part of the crowd he has is if he gets the stoppage. He has to get the stoppage at a certain point. There's no right. excuse for Floyd not to get the stoppage. Yeah. If Connor's in there at a certain point in the fight when he should have been stopped, um, I think the crowd is going to be very pro Connor. I think it's going to be a very pro-McGregor crowd. Um... Not to say that he's going to win the fight, but, you know, you, you, you get you get, a, you get a little bit extra adrenaline when you have that kind of crowd sure. behind you, backing you. You know, it's,
2: it's kind of an interesting dynamic because the fight could end up being 12-0 in rounds with Floyd winning every five seconds of every round and losing, losing in a sense, losing as well.
1: Yeah, of course, because he will actually minimize his popularity and kind will gain popularity in, in, in a right. performance like that, I think. Once he tries to win. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. Floyd does get aggressive I mean it's against Floyd's nature Floyd has to respect you to not be aggressive he don't. He wasn't aggressive against Canelo Alvarez he wasn't aggressive against Manny Pacquiao he wasn't aggressive against certain kind of guys if he respects if you give him something to worth respecting you know, it doesn't mean you have to hit him you just have, have to show him that you know, you're able to set him up you're able to keep his eyes alert like whoa okay I gotta be alert with this guy he won't get aggressive but there's people he was aggressive with he was very aggressive against Zab Judah. He was very aggressive against Sean Bay Mitchell. Those guys were southpaws. He got very aggressive against Victor Ortiz once he realized he was breaking. And that's why Ortiz started fouling and going crazy. You know, he got very if you watch that last round of Ortiz, Floyd's basically walking him down thoroughly, you know? So so you gotta make Floyd respect you, or he will take it to you. You know, Floyd's not Floyd's a people look at Floyd like a pretty boxer, pretty patty, but he's not always like that. There's a very bad mean streak inside Floyd Mayweather. And he it, 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 it will come out. If he realizes there's nothing to respect. So, import- all the more important for Conor
0: McGregor to have something to respect. All right, before I, I want to get your general predictions on the fight, I have one more silly question to mm-hmm. ask. Um, what, what if this roller was reversed, you know, and, and Floyd was going to an octagon, which. Is- oh, yeah, we lost, we lost one of the posters behind you. Oh, Down. My God. Down. Do we get a count?
1: Uh, stop the fight.
2: That poster, whoa, whoa. Was, that poster was reacting to the question he was about to
1: ask. <laughs> oh, <what> it <laughs> yeah. the, po- the, the Showtime
0: poster didn't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame it because it's a terrible question. Well, you know, Paulie, well, and we know MMA is so it's a it's a combination of five different you know things. You know, boxing, wrestling, mixed ju- martial arts. I mean, right. that's what the sport mixed, is called. It's right. called mixed martial arts for a reason. So you know? this is a silly question. It's not from me, so I have to say that I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know. Just for just entertain us for a second. What if this role was reversed and and, and McGregor and Mayweather said, I'm gonna go in the octagon and kick your ass. The odds well, I can't say the odds because there's a lot
1: of people betting McGregor, but the long shotness, if that's a word, long shotness that Connor has to win this fight in a boxing ring would suddenly reverse and it would be the same exact thing for Floyd in a cage, you know and it would be a long shot. He'd be a super long shot to win. Fight against McGregor in right. a cage as well.
2: I go even further. I'd say right now Floyd's about a five to one favorite. If it were in a cage, McGregor would be about a twenty to one favorite. Yeah, but that also and does, rightfully that's, so. But also,
1: I, I think Floyd probably, if it wasn't for so many mixed martial arts fans, would probably be a twenty to one favorite here in this fight too. The thing about it is. Floyd probably has less fans than McGregor fans I think uh, you MMA fans are, are probably more hardcore in that way um, also there's the the casuals who you know what if he catches them with one shot kind yeah. of thing which I haven't heard since uh, Floyd fought Arturo Gatti we saw how that <laughs> I, we saw how that ended up you know but yeah, I'm from ben Center's waiting. Brooklyn I'm from ben Center's Brooklyn we're big Arturo Gatti fans uh, my whole neighborhood was all oh, cause what if he gets him with one shot though I know, I know. And,
2: and and gambling in general um. <laughs> And that's it.
1: we lost more posters we lost more posters
2: they're falling. They're, they're, they don't want to hear this conversation. One one. These posters have lousy chins, don't yeah, they? Yeah. <laughs> but in gambling in general, boxing is one of the only sports where the underdog consistently gets a lot of money. In football, baseball, basketball, the public likes to bet the favorite. There's always
1: that one shot, Steve. Always, and, it ha- and you know what it is? It happens here and there. Lightning does strike it has here and there. Enough, yeah, yeah, sure. It happens enough where people have seen it enough or have heard about it happening enough and say, "Hey, man, you know what? It's worth taking a shot." Buster Douglas. I, yeah, <laughs> and that's the and that's the beauty of the sport. You know, that's the beauty of the sport is is that you know it's really never over until it's over. Right. I mean. In most other
0: sports, it's probably over way before it's over if it's a blowout, but not in in combat sports. Hey, so before we get to some general predictions, if you guys can give us some, Paul, you have anything you want to share with us? What's going on with you?
1: Um, well, I I did get called to uh, go to camp with Conor McGregor, uh, which was I was surprised. You know, I haven't really been training, I haven't been in the gym, so I started working out a little bit. I'm working out the details um, to uh, spar with McGregor. Um, if it's something that's gonna be feasible, um, it'll be cool because I think I'll have some uh, some inside stuff to talk about on fight night. I'm not gonna, I don't really see myself talking about anything about Cam because I'm not the kind of I'm I'm a team player. I don't wanna be the kind of guy who comes out of camp and starts talking about this and that happening camp. But I think on fight night during the broadcast, I think I'll probably have some cool uh, in-depth stuff that I, I'd, I'd like to probably get a chance to I'd be able to get a chance to talk about, you know, because by, by that point we're already on fight night and it's, it's there and there. It's done and there, you know. But uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, uh, you know, I, I was. it's interesting that they called me in general, you know, because uh, as people know, I've, I've announced my retirement. I think it's a good opportunity for me to just get, lose a little bit of weight and get in shape. <laughs> and also, you know, Take take part in, uh, in 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 a training camp without me actually having to make weight, which is mm. fun, you know. Like I, there was always that every time a training camp I would enter, in the back of my mind, that was always like, oh man, this is gonna come the point where I gotta go through that mis- miserable dry out. But now I can actually just get myself in shape enough to you know get the workouts in with Connor if I do this and um, not have to make weight.
2: And and how brilliant is it of McGregor to at least make an offer to Paulie because not only is he getting good sparring. Uh, But he could get other people who gig in with sparring. He's also getting Paulie's brain, his boxing brain. And if he's smart, he's going to look at you not only as a sparring partner, but he's going to pick your brain. So Mm. charge him more. (laughs) All right. Consultation (laughs) fee. Consultations. (laughs) You don't need bash. I'll cut the deal for
0: you. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. I've been working with Paulie for almost two years now. And the amazing thing to me is... Paulie called out Connor when he got his boxing license. Yeah, and
1: I, I think I think yeah, I did call him out, and, and you know I think that shows the character of the man, though. You know that he could have said, "Screw that kid," you know. He called me out, whatever. I don't, I don't. I'm not gonna give him the. I'm not gonna put him in my training camp. I think it shows the the competitive spirit and the willingness to want to learn yeah. on, on the on the part but, of McGregor, I, I, and I, I, it shows you how hungry he is because he he put that pride aside. It's not easy to put pride aside, bro, especially when you're a fighter. You know,
0: I, I, it, it makes me respect him a little more. But you know what's cool is. Um, Obviously you would have loved to have that fight in a nice payday Who of would? course of course but now the com- i know you the com- if guys can say i'll fight him for one night and <laughs> but, for a million i'll fight him for a million dollars hey man even us fighters say the same thing <laughs> we'll fight anybody for a right. for the right price but also you you know you're a very proud boxer and like you you're, you're a big competitor i think i think you're probably looking forward to getting in the ring with him and, and working
1: i think you know uh, there's a lot of curiosities i have you know uh, I, I i know he's an ultra uh, electric competitor um He's a a guy who's very competitive, and um, I'm curious to see, and and I've seen him fight in the the UFC fights, obviously, and I I think he's very, very talented. I'm curious to see, you know, how his training camp's coming along, because I know he started his camp in Ireland, and he's going to move it over to Vegas, and that's where they asked me to join them, is uh, when they transfer everything to Vegas. Um, I'm curious to see just the kind of progress he's made thus far, even in this camp, uh, just in the Irish part of the camp so far and whatnot, and then, you know, see what he's got to to offer in in this part of camp, you know? As I don't have my my fighter eyes on right now anymore, you know what I'm saying. I don't have like, oh, you know what? I'm I don't, I'm not coming in as a 22 year old sparring partner. When I was a 22 year old kid sparring with champions, I felt like I went in there with something to prove. I'm coming in here more as like a team player, and I want to. But I'm curious to see, you know, what's there. You know, I'm as, as I'm sure everybody else is curious to see what's there. You know, I'm curious myself to see what's there. You know, I know how to, how to handle myself in the ring. I know to defend myself. I still have enough speed to obviously give you good work and good sparring once I'm in shape. But I'm curious to see what's there, you know. Um, everybody, I'm sure, is curious to see what's there, and uh, I think, uh, mm. I think, that first sparring session, probably that first round, you know, it'll be pretty interesting, you know. That's very Let's cool. Let's see if I do it, though. You know, I, I don't want to, you oh, know, hopefully, put, you the, put the car before the horse. But, but they have reached out to me, and we're in talks. So we'll, uh, we'll see.
0: All right. So we looked at this fight from a variety of angles. Why don't you guys, if you don't mind sharing your what you think is going to happen in this fight?
1: I think. Obviously, the smart money's on Floyd Mayweather. You know, I I think here's the thing, and and I've done this, I've said this in certain interviews. I, I don't think it's so much of can Conor McGregor win the fight? Because it's a real long shot if Conor McGregor can win this fight. I mean, granted, some amazing things have happened in boxing, but it's a real long shot, realistically speaking. But can Conor make the proper improvements to his boxing game enough in such a short period of time to do things like Win around, or win certain moments, or hit Mayweather with a couple of consistent shots where his head's snapping back. Even Connor has little victories in this fight. I don't think he wins the whole fight, but there's little victories in this fight. You know what I'm saying? Where where things you're gonna look at, and if he does them, you're gonna probably talk more about McGregor after the fight than you will about Mayweather. You know, like oh, but remember, oh, but Connor had him doing that that time, or Connor did this that time. You know, like it's the kind of fight where I feel like if Connor has certain moments and he wins certain moments if he can win a round you know if he can win certain moments if he can have certain spells of of excitement you know I think I'll, I think it'll be like a, a moral victory and I think people will talk more about him in a positive manner than they will about Floyd mm. you know um, that's more so the question for me can, does he have enough to do that you know does, is, is there gonna be enough to do that um, as opposed to is, he winner, is it a win or a loss for him you know I, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but does he have enough to have moments in the fight where where it'll keep things interesting keep things more interesting than even the Pacquiao fight and uh and you know get get a lot of people's respect even from boxers get a lot of get a lot of boxing fans respect of his ability in the ring yeah
2: well I'm not going to pick a winner although if you've listened to me I think you have a pretty good idea of who I think's going to win but I don't like picking winners of fights at work because I do the unofficial scoring and I get enough trouble with Twitter as it is but <laughs> Here's an analogy to draw. Pete Rademacher in 1956 won the Olympic gold medal. He was obviously a pretty good amateur to win an Olympic gold medal. In his pro debut, he fought for the heavyweight championship of the world against Floyd Patterson.
1: Okay. Who was his manager?
2: <laughs> and what he said after Talk about greedy. <laughs> he actually dropped Floyd and, and then got dropped a bunch of times and got knocked out. But he said, I trained for a six-round fight. He said, I knew I couldn't go 15 rounds. 15 in those days, of course. He says, I trained for 50, for a six-round fight. I was going to leave it all out there, go for it. And, and it turns out he knocked Patterson down. And then he got stopped. I see, because of McGregor's mentality, which is the mentality of a champion, I see him being too proud to just lay back yeah. and let Floyd lay back and put us to sleep for 12 rounds. I can't see that. I think he'll try to win. And if he's not good enough, which is probably the, the, what's going to happen, at least he says, I tried to win. I tried to make the fight. It's his fault for not fighting me back, which is what everybody says about Floyd, mm-hmm. as, as silly as that sounds. So I, I think for a few rounds, I think he's going to go for it. And I think he should go for it because it's his only chance to win as long a shot as that is.
1: I think he should go for it as well on the simple basis. As I said before, if Floyd sees there's nothing there, he will walk you down. Yeah. Floyd will get aggressive. So you don't want that to happen. And I, I, as, as annoying as it might be for people to say Floyd's on the back foot and he's boxing you beautifully and on the back foot and counterpunching you, if Floyd starts stepping on forward, he's on the, on the gas pedal and coming forward, that means he's lost all respect for you. So you don't want to get it to that point. If you're Conor, you want to make sure at least Floyd has that respect for you. Floyd's finding you on the back foot. Floyd's respecting you. So I'm going to keep that in mind if you're Conor McGregor.
0: This has been great. Steve, it's been great having you on the show. My pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else coming up? Is there any uh, any other Showbox fights coming up that we? Yeah, we got
2: a, we got a Showbox in Miami, Oklahoma. Um, on let me get the date right here. Is mm-hmm. June 14 a
1: Friday? Miami, yes it is. Yes, okay, June 14, July, 14.
2: July 14 uh, is the next Showbox, and then of course uh, Paulie and I will be, both be working the uh, the Broner uh, fight with uh, Mikey on July 29. What's, Brooklyn, on the under- right? What's the undercard for that?
1: Uh, oh, J- uh, Jamal Charlo and, uh, and Jared Hurd. Oh. Right? Is that Jared uh, no, No, Jermal no, Jared, no, no, J- J- no, Jared Hurd against Austin Trout. And Jamal, I think, is on the card. Nothing too,
2: official right? yet, nothing announced. But Cholo Jamal Charlo could be fighting the guy from Argentina, Highland. Oh, in an an the in Highland In yeah, an yeah. Nothing announced. Nothing oh, official. 160. Yeah, 160, yeah. yeah. So okay.
1: Highland's a rugged player. You know, He's, he's pretty yeah. good. He's pretty good. I'm, I'm going back to Miami, Oklahoma. You know, I fought my seventh pro fight there. Was ESPN, that was that a Showbox? ESPN fight? Friday no. Night Fight. I, I had the four ounce swing bat. I got on TV. My first national TV fight. Miami, Oklahoma has wow. a special place in my heart. I was 21 years old.
2: Paulie <laughs> fought on Showbox only once, and it's a memorable <laughs> night because the truck in, yeah. blew
1: a fuse. Yeah, it was so hot. Saku
2: got a gift decision. Yeah,
1: it was brutal. so Lough, hot. Loughlin, Nevada, uh, it was so hot. Laughlin,
2: Nevada, outdoors.
1: It was so hot that the, the the lights blew out, and they had to go with the backup generator. We went on the air an hour late. So, but t- yeah. at that time happened on the East Coast, everybody shut off their TVs. Like so many of my friends. <laughs> Missed the fight, <laughs> um, and then it was just stifling. out. My feet had blisters. I don't know. I you know it goes to show you how hard I used to train, man. I mean, at the, especially in those days when I was so hungry. I went ten rounds in that heat. My feet were getting hurt. My feet had. Blew. I took off my shoes <laughs> after the fight. I had black oh. and blues all over my on the bottom of my feet. That's how hot it was. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. We we're literally in Death Valley, right? We we're outdoors in Death Valley. Yeah, right? yeah. They, call it, Nevada, they yeah. call it Death Valley for a reason. bro. Oh. <laughs> it's crazy that's awful but, well thanks again
0: Steve come back again too man Love look having forward here. to it and, thanks, and Steve man. I would
1: have fought on Showbox more it Was just that was a part of my career where I kept hurting my hands I know that I, fight what, you I, broke I, your hand in that fight yeah, yeah. I, 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 had, I, had about, I had three fights in two years then you outgrew yeah. Showbox you, moved yeah. out, you graduated by the time I came <laughs> back they just tossed me into the Colorado fight <laughs> right. maybe it was a cash out fight but it, uh, it maintained my career <laughs> alright that's, uh, that'll wrap us up this week we hope to get Pete back from paternity leave soon right we'll he's still breastfeeding so yeah, yeah. So hopefully uh, well, well, well he should be running out of milk soon
0: eventually they run out of milk right <laughs> I'm talking about Pete he's breastfeeding of yeah. course well I'm saying yeah. he runs out of milk no <laughs> I mean
1: you can't breastfeed for life <laughs> maybe <laughs>
2: Pete should call Raul Marquez who just had a baby did you Raul. know that Raul.
1: well I spoke to Raul the other night actually yeah, yeah.
2: Liam Marquez was born yesterday uh, Raul's uh new, new yeah. son. Yeah. A, so s- a couple of a uh, couple sparring partners there you go you know? <laughs> compare diaper notes yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it! All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. Hopefully, we have Peter Cards back in the studio. Um, I should be here. I should be here as well. All right, Steve, we thank you for having us on, uh, for having you on the show, for coming on the show. Newly minted Hall of Famer Steve Farhood. We're back next week. We don't even count the episodes anymore because Seth doesn't even know what number it is either. Uh, Ninety. <laughs> we, used, we used to have like all kinds of. Anniversaries every week, kind of all this number episode. Now we just outgrew it. I don't know. All right, tune, in, tune us in uh, next week. Give us a couple of good uh, reviews as well. What, what do they give the reviews? iTunes, iTunes, go to Qu- iTunes. Write something nice. Write comments right? and give us if five you stars. Go, if you want to want on, on your iTunes account and you sign up and you sign in and you go through all that trouble just to write a jerk off comment, you
0: really are a jerk off <laughs> with no life. Like
1: if you're gonna go through <laughs> all the trouble of leaving a comment, at least, at least leave a good one. You know no, what I'm saying?
0: I got, I got news. This is episode ninety eight. Yeah. Okay. No, really? True story. I thought we had a hundred already. No, for a hundred we're gonna do uh, at the uh, weigh-in for uh, Broner Garcia. Yeah. And, Can and we bring get,
1: like signs and stuff?
0: And we're gonna get we're, we're, we're gonna, gonna, gonna outshine
1: gonna, Broner Garcia at the weigh. We're gonna have like hundredth and hundredth anniversary podcast. We're, <laughs> we're gonna dress
0: Peter up in Apollo Creed's American outfit. Oh, <laughs> you go. yes. That's one for this week with the Fourth yeah. of July coming up. Uh, we're gonna use it for that though. <laughs> well, I'm gonna right.
2: abuse. I gotta be there to abuse
1: you guys. <laughs> uh, so we'll see you guys next week. Thanks.